Avengers Infinity War. Now, nothing will ever be the same. Can anyone make sense out of all that's happened? These guys are going to try. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York morning radio broadcast announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, inundated with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. What happens next? Listen up, true believers. It's time for another episode of The Marvelists. The following are from the opening page and subsequent dialogue of Tales to Astonish, Volume 1, Issue Number 44. Throughout history, there have been men who have become legends, men who have possessed powers beyond mortal ken, so that in time, those men have become superheroes who thrill the entire world. We are about to tell you of such a man, the scientist known to the world as Henry Pym, but known to you as the astonishing Ant-Man. And you will learn here, for the first time, the reason that Henry Pym became the Ant-Man, the past that gnaws like a cancer at the soul of this man, giving him no rest, driving him to the strangest adventures any human being has ever known. You will see him find a companion to aid in his solitary fight against injustice, tyranny, and crime, the companion who will become known as the Wasp. I'm going to tell you what no one else in the world knows. In so doing, I put my life in your hands. But I tell you because I need a partner, and I have chosen her. I am the Ant-Man. Yes, I can make you small as Ant-Man with my shrinking gas. And due to my research in cell specialization, I can give you wings, antenna. I can make you a human wasp. Yes, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson, here with a third member, back once again for our third visit. Did I say that? No, I said it three times. Charles Perella, welcome back. Hello. I have returned. Now, before we get into that full-on return, we want to tell you people how you can get a hold of us on social media. How? First off, go on Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there and join the 4,000 plus that are liking our page. Also, go on the Twitter at The Marvelists. Give us a follow collectively there. Myself, at Peter Melnick, yourself. At E. Wilson 959. Charles, are you on the Twitter machine? At Charles Perallo. P-E-R-A-L-O. Damn right. Also, go on Instagram. Give us a follow on there at... The Marvelous. And myself, at Peter Melnick. Yourself? At Eddie9193. There we go. Also, Charles, what are you on Instagram? Charles Peralto. Don't you have any other uh, Instagram names? I'm pretty sure you do. I have uh, at restaurants, I have at soul, and I have at comic books. Very cool. Do you also have at shoes, at wallpapers, I have at pocketbooks. Do you really? Yeah. Pocket books? Pocket books. Oh, not... Even though it's like, that's one of those phrases, pocket books, but I've known it as pocket books my entire life. You know, I get asked often, why do you have all these handles? And I just respond, I used to have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it honestly, it's smart. And now he's he's got a handle on him. Several. You're one of those people that probably like in the 1990s would have had the domain www.shopping.com or something like that. I'm working with a guy who has artist.com and a few other solid domains. Um, But you know what? It's It's genius. It's one of those things. I I actually have a friend who used to have at Batman and then those those 
those guys at DC took it from him. The distinguished competition. Yeah, the dis- well, he was using it to promote memes about Batman, and they used it to uh, promote Batman versus Superman. So clearly, we know who the more profitable venture was. I'm pretty at- positive it wasn't the one with Martha. <laughs> it was not the one with Martha. That that was a fifty million dollar loss. It sure was. But Martha, we also have our Stitcher promo code. Go to www.stitcher.com/premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. You use that promo code and you get a free free one month one free. month. <laughs> Is there an echo in this room? Yes, but a slightly more professional sounding echo. <sighs> but <laughs> go on. He digests. Stitcher.com slash premium, yada, yada, yada. And you get a free one month of Stitcher. And you can listen to a crap ton of audio. You can listen to the Mark Marin archives of WTF. You can listen to the Weird Al Yankovic concerts from the Contractually Obligated Tour. I think it's the Vanity Tour or something. But it's a big tour. It started cool. in Poughkeepsie and went all over the country. Nice. And... You can also listen to the Smodcast archives. You can listen to the Airwolf Network podcasting stuff. I'm wording. I'm wording very badly. It's impressive. Word to your mother. Exactly. But when you use that promo code, you're helping support this show. You help get a little bit of coin in our pocket, which we appreciate because it helps us do more for you. No bit here. Exactly. So... Go to Stitcher.com slash premium and use that promo code. Marvelists. And when you do, you're going to be given a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium. And afterwards, after that one month is over, if you want to stay or before, you know, you can cancel beforehand. We don't mind. We don't, we're not listening. We're going to turn a blind eye, right, Eddie? Cue the class. Should I stay or should I go? I like that one. So do I. We can do that. You can, you know, cancel whatever. But if you want to stay, like I've stayed for the past few months, it's only four ninety nine a month. Chump change. Exactly. That's like, that's beer money. I don't drink, but you that's beer drink. money. You don't drink. Oh, you don't drink either? No. Straight edge. Oh, oh yeah, no. Oh, you razor. No, I'm just, we're just like two Mormon for this crowd. <laughs> oh, multiple wives, though. Okay. No, I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> no comment, but polygamy. I digest. So. Pardon me. We're going to talk today in this episode. We're going to take a little detour on our Punisher world tour and talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Charles, you saw the movie. We saw the movie. We all saw the movie. Individually. Well, no. I saw you it with saw Eddie. It. That's right. I saw it three times. Yeah. Without either one of us, I saw you <laughs> bastard. I'm sorry. I'll be there in spirit next time. It was, no, that's okay. We don't need a mop. We already had a ghost in this movie. We don't it, need it a was spirit good, now. It was good enough to see see, uh, see twice. It will be I don't know if the second. Oh, no, I need to see this again. Definitely. <laughs> Especially with the oh no moment that came. I saw it three times. Once in 2D, once in 3D, and once in IMAX. IMAX, eh. It's a little overrated. You, Peter. I, Eddie. He, Charles. There you go. Max who? But Max bu- Headroom. Hmm. Max Wiener. There you go. But before we get into our topic of Ant-Man and the Wasp, we want to talk about some things that are going on in the Marvel Universe. Yes. First off, C.B. Sabolsky ended up announcing that we are going to be getting back Marvel's What If. And if you guys don't know what it is, Marvel's What If is a series in which we have hypothetical situations in a pretend universe. A pretend universe already of pretend stuff. But most of the time they end in death, I've noticed. In some cases, yeah. But when they first started in the uh, 70s, 
I never even thought of it being in another universe type of thing. There were it's like know, alternate time, not not alter, possibly an alternate timeline, but whereas what the Watcher was the, the narrator, the host of the What If books, he he would just say, "I am the Watcher," and he'd open up. I think I each, each story like that, and I am here to observe events that have happened in your world in your universe. But what at a certain given point, critical moment. If this happened instead of what you know as to be, what if Gwen Stacy had not died? What for, if Gwen Stacy had a stronger neck? Yes, exactly. If you want to get Evil. medical about it, yeah. And yet it's at that point that our story diverges and then, you know, it takes off a totally different direction. So maybe, you know, as I'm thinking about this, that I'm saying, maybe alternate endings of movies in a strange little way could have evolved from the, the what if storylines because now you have them kind of proliferating around with respect to, to movies. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but well, I think the idea of bringing these back, it's, it's cool. It's going to give a lot of uh, young up and coming writers also an opportunity to try out, you know, ply their craft. What if someone else besides Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider? We see that actually nowadays with alternate universes, Miles Morales, all others, that kind of, yeah. Well, it kind of just sees like, seems like a natural fit because if you go online, go to any social network, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, what is the most popular thing the artists do? It tends to be what ifs. So, I mean... Does that lead to a lot of what if Harry and Hermione got married fan fiction? Yes, but does it occasionally get a clever idea? Sure. Now, what I want to know is, if this were to happen, what would you want to see as a what if story for these potential issues? Does this include the X-Men as well? Hell yeah. Oh, that's all fair game. that, That makes an interesting story. I would say... What would happen if uh, the days of futures passed, they couldn't go back in time? There's a good line. Yeah, that's a good, a very good one to, to really get into, and a lot of stuff to get into with respect to that. You know, I'm trying to think of of a character that, let's say, and maybe base it off of what happened in a movie, or it doesn't have to be straight from a comic storyline, but the, the most obvious one to me, without being specific, is what if a certain character didn't die? And you can think of whether it was a hero somebody who sacrificed themselves, or a villain. That, that, you know, that a lot of in the Marvel movies have been killed off so quickly. Oh, yeah. So what if certain All villains were allowed to stay, to, 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 to live to another movie kind of thing? You could really go a lot of directions with this. In regards to my decision for a what if, I tweeted to C.B. Sabalski, what if Wolverine joined a book club? And I feel if they do that, it's going to lead to some of the most exciting Marvel writing we've ever seen. He'll dress up as like Peter Pan one day. Um, he'll uh, dress up and like he'll get into it. Like, oh, he can he can read Les Misérables. I think him reading Little Women would be great though. That'd be, did, was, did the <laughs> Les Misérables joke fly over everyone here? If Wolverine joins a book club, I did. I got it with Eddie. Eddie you got man. that? Yeah. Um, just and also my favorite. Co- here. <laughs> I dreamed a dream that joke would work. I stop. <laughs> <laughs> my personal favorite thing would have been. Um, just more scenes involving Russell Crowe singing. He really could not sing in that movie. Oh, yeah, I can't defend that. No, no one, can, not, not even Johnny Cochran could defend that man. <laughs> Ouch. 
because he's dead now. But I digress. Wow. <laughs> now, personally, in all honesty, a Marvel what if that I'd like to see, if we're being real, I would go with what if either Magneto or Charles Xavier had the Infinity Gauntlet. Some of the most powerful mutants in the world getting their hands on that. Because mm-hmm. why not? You know, they're characters that have such strong character development. Imagine getting that ultimate power for them. I think a great what if would be what would happen if the X-Men were in this Marvel Cinematic Universe since day one, (laughs) which they're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Timelines might be in more synchronicity. Or or a really popular one, what if uh, Fantastic Four 2015 was a good movie? That's a good one. I like that one. The thing gets pants and a deeper voice. I still have not seen that movie, and I'm partially waiting for fe- for Fantastic February because do I want to see it now? A little bit, yeah, because I do want to see what the quote-unquote storm was for that movie. Um, have you watched the movie The Room? Yes. You know, this is worse than The Room, but somehow not more washable. Hmm. Pass. Uh, Eddie, have you watched the no. 2015? Not the 20, yes, yes. No, no, it's, um, he watched the year he lived it. He was you know, living every single day in that yeah. year. It was fun. Well, no, I, that was the, I hung out with him that year partially. You know, I'm not a Kanye West fan, but I remember Fantastic Four 2015. They kept on playing that power song. I'm like, you know, this has me excited for it. I'm, I, I, was like, you know, I, I was sitting there like, I'm like the lone guy. I think this is going to be good. I think they're really going to like, repair the mistakes. But then I see the Rotten Tomato reviews. I'm like, well, this, this, this is... This is not going to be good. No, uh, when you drop the the Central City reference in there, it just killed it for me at the end. I mean, it's, it's, it, I'm going to say, Eddie, you have a higher tolerance than I did if that was the thing that killed it for you. Well, it was that, the thing with no pants and no Stanley reference. So he didn't three, even make a cameo in it, did he? Three, exactly. I think he saw what this was. He had the uh, he opted out of this one. I'm jumping out of boat, true believers. Well, well you know, Stanley. See what you get for not inviting me to your wedding, Richards. Well, Stanley did not have a cameo in, like, what I would say is one of my favorite Marvel movies, which is Days of Futures Past, and I thought that was the worst and the most missed opportunity because I thought we could have gotten a thing where they show him in the '70s and then they show him in the present, like a young Stanley or youngish Stanley because in the 70s he was still a little bit up there Stanley's uh, the poon hound in the 70s yeah there you go <laughs> they could have done him in the disco alpha and then they could have done him today like hey. there you go that's, that's what we need hey baby can I get a piece of that ass excelsior yeah. now also Don't another worry. topic we have up ahead of us Black Widow is going to be getting a director for its movie in the form of Kate Shortland and I'm not familiar with her work Charles are you well, I wasn't, but now I have Wikipedia on my phone, so let's do this. Isn't it a magical time we live in? So her first film came out in 2004 called The Somersault. Never heard of it, even though it did get nominated for some awards. Uh, 2006 was The Silence. Never really heard of that. It was very quiet. <laughs> 2012, The Lore. You know, I've seen a lot of nominations for all these things, but I've never heard of them. You take that and fishing, I, don't you? I've also not heard of... Stop that. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Berlin Syndrome, 2017. Never never heard of that. And then To Be Announced, Black Widow. Okay, so there is not a huge history for us to run on here, people. But she showed Moxie. 
I think that's <laughs> the most important thing in there. She showed moxie. You know, it's. Good. I mean, she's uh, forty nine, so it's not like this is a. She's like an up. I would say like a real up and comer on the scene. Has two kids. Uh, her spouse is a man named Tony Kravitz. Any Feel relation like, to Lenny? I don't think so. I was thinking that, but okay. Um, and she's from South Wales, so. There's not a huge resume here, and that kind of Tom leads Jones. me to a common complaint I make with, um, like, the Marvel movies. I don't know if the directors have enough say or if the studios, like, the studios dictate and then the directors kind of just manage, which I think a lot of people have said about Marvel. But Directing on a it, budget. This, this, this could be one yeah. of those. My thing is I do feel that they're going to probably knock it out of the park with this one. And... That tends to be the trend with these Marvel movies, for the most part. They go their own direction. They want to go with what they feel is best. And the end result usually is very good. Now, didn't you, before we went on, say something about it being the equivalent of... It's James? going to be... Yeah, it's their answer to James Bond. What was the question? Uh, uh, you know, uh, you I'm, know. Actually, I'm actually shocked they're not trying to do... Um, Patsy Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins? That, that's her name. Okay, there you go. Not Patsy. <laughs> not Patsy's Patsy. the one from Absolutely Fabulous, which is uh, a different thing. Or or it's Patsy from Jessica Jones. But, uh, fine. But, but Patty Jenkins, um, you know, I thought she would get the role but uh, to be the director, but I guess they just don't want DC to be tied in with that. Well, Patty Jenkins was actually going to originally be the director for Thor The Dark World, as we learned in a previous episode. Oh, well, I mean, I think she made the right choice. Oh, she sure did. Granted, she could have fixed the film up, maybe. It wouldn't have sucked. I just forgot the film existed. Malekith. <laughs> I'll just there, call. There, I said it. You sure did. I mean, I mean, the only thing is, I'll just say this. I think that was the last Natalie Portman appearance we'll probably ever get for Marvel, right? For the time being, yeah. But I guarantee you, now she's looking at all of the success, and she's probably thinking... Wait, I want to come back. Come back. Let me back. No, well, they're, well they're, nope. she snapped. I, I was about to make that joke. She she disappeared long before they did. You just hear Thor in the next movie. Well, that bitch is gone at least. <laughs> oh, there you go. What about Sif? Don't say Aliss. Ew. Eddie. That's my initials. Ew. Stop that. <laughs> there you go. Gentlemen, where anything can happen and probably does. If they do a James Bond-style movie for this, do you think it will gel well with the rest of the MCU? You know, I'm going to say there was a movie that came out probably 10 years ago that has not been appreciated much. It starred... Um, Robert Downey Jr. He was Iron Man. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was um, it was called Salt with Angelina Jolie. Yes. And wow, I, that's a movie I haven't heard about in a long time. That's actually what I would kind of like Black Widow to replicate. I would like, well, once again, like, I mean, when it comes to Marvel, I think some of the films do need to be a little bit grittier. Not The Dark Knight, definitely not the Punisher series or Daredevil, but they do need to be a little bit, like, tougher. I think Salt could be something that could work very well with maybe a little paprika yeah yeah as maybe a little cayenne yes yeah, so all the ingredients common. have to come together just right put a pot of pepper pots half can full be in of water it. let it simmer to a um, boil stop and then when it cools down it will gel well there you what go what did i do but but here's the thing i think that could be a great inspiration for what to do with black widow okay now myself i think the idea of 
a James Bond-style movie, that will work. I actually do think it will gel well, and I want to know what other characters they could incorporate in this because the future of the MCU is, from what I've heard, going to be, okay, what worked well? Thor Ragnarok. We're going to throw Cap. We're going to throw Hulk and Thor together. Let's see what happens. And I guarantee it's going to feature another character. Let's say... Hawkeye. It's going to be a Black Widow and Hawkeye movie. I was thinking that as you were saying that. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think- know, Hawkeye seems a little bit too easy. I'm just going to say that. I'd like to see... I would actually like to see her maybe with... You know, this is this is just a wish list. I, it's not it's not going to happen, but I would wish like to see her with uh, Daredevil, actually. I was going to say that. Yeah, they do hey. date in the comics, but... Right, um, right. Could that be the beginning of the transition, which... I, I hope it could be. I mean, the I mean, am I the only one here who's watched all of the MCU Netflix shows? At the moment, yes. Yes, you At are. At the moment. <laughs> I've not seen the new season of Luke Cage, though, so I'm not completely caught up. But that after the Defenders kind of did just okay, I would like to see them try something new. I think Daredevil's great. And the Red that, Evil? Yeah, that would be the great. And also, I'm going to say this. If uh, anyone watched Daredevil here... Wilson Fisk again could be a great movie villain. That character, I'm in agreement. And I want to see yeah. a Kingpin Spider-Man movie. To be honest, but that would be a. Vi- I'll say this to anyone who's watched Daredevil season one and two, and then watched Spider-Man: Homecoming. It would be a little bit of a change in direction for some. Oh boy, would it! <laughs> well, <laughs> no car doors though. That is still the darkest scene I've ever seen in anything. Just thud. Yeah. What about the the prison break scene from Daredevil season two? With Johnny Burnfall. There was a there was a lot of blood. Oh, there sure. Also, it's Jonathan Burnfall. Uh, I like calling him Johnny. It makes it seem like I know him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wish. I mean, he still does the thing from when he was in Walking Dead, where he just like moves his hair back. Like, oh shit! Scratches his head. Yeah, he scratches his head like forty times in that show. We actually have a photo with John Burnthal and our producer Matt is just in the corner, just scratching his head, and he's like, you know, doing that because that's what he would do. Oh, he's heard the joke. Oh, he. Oh, I would not doubt it. Also, speaking of jokes, Fantastic Four two thousand fives. Lead actor of Reed Richards. Who did he? Who was he played by? Yon Gruffin. There we go with the Bork Bork Bork. Yes, but he wants to join the MCU, get a second chance. He was in Titanic, I believe. And he was in a Titanic failure called the, Fantastic the, Four. Rise no, of the at the Surfer. end of that movie, come about. Well, last time I saw him was uh, season four of Glee. Maybe season five. That's another four. Okay. And um, yes, I do watch Glee. Well, did watch Glee. Um, he was in it for about five minutes. That's that's that confirmed. I was like, wow, this guy is still alive. And that's kind of where I uh, was sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, this guy is still alive. We haven't seen him since. But uh, who would he play? I think that's the question you're going to go for, Peter. In the article that he was quoted, he basically said, maybe I could play a baddie this time. Now that I've established myself as somebody who can do that, that would be great. Well, he could be Norman Osborn. I'd like to see him play off against and, Tom Holland. That'd be and, nice. And also remember, there is a chance that, a good chance, X-Men will be coming to Marvel very soon. So, Magneto, maybe? As of this recording, on July 18th, they're actually saying that Comcast will not outbid Disney. So, 
quote Hall and Oates, they're making our dreams come true. Ooh, ooh. Not ooh, not ooh, my ooh, dream, ooh. not my dream. I wanted X Men to say solo. I well, well, I mean solo. It's going to be you know not in theaters long then. Ha. Pun. Who shot so, first? Not the fans. Oh. I liked Solo. Hey, I liked it too. No, but... no, it was it was decent. Was there any was there any who shot first joke in Solo? No, no. no. They sh- they should have done that. No. What's your name? Han. You're by yourself. Solo. <laughs> that was a little lame. That would have been that closest happened. to yes. That that was part of the no movie. no I know that, that was happened. Lame. Yeah. We all saw it. You saw it. I saw it. The whole damn world saw it. I saw it it twice. I mean, I was expecting them to do a line where it's like, did you shoot him? It's like, I always shoot first. Ooh, I like that. They could have put that in, but I don't think we'll be getting a sequel to that movie. And then a red and black costumed guy in trip pants shows up. There you go. Also, um, I'm just going to say this. Um, What was with... um, This is a small segue, I guess. What was with... uh, the capes, like uh, the guys obsessed with capes, uh, or, or Lando Calrissian. I'm not sure. It's a wardrobe thing, I suppose. I mean, I mean, maybe more characters in these movies, and this goes back to Marvel. Maybe they all just need to be obsessed about something. Spy- like Peter Parker has his little spandex fetish. Um, like you know, maybe Loki has his hats. He just loves hats. They all, He's they a hat all, guy. they all just get along doing it, but. That's where I digress, but... Gives him more height. But for the former Mr. Fantastic, um, he has a higher chance of being brought back in than another kid who played Mr. Fantastic. I think I saw him working at Walgreens. Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome to Walgreens. <laughs> actually, actually, he was kind of in jail, so he came back, he got a job at Baskin-Robbins, and... And they always find out. They always find out, and then they fired him. Look what happened to Scott Lang. There you go. Now, before we get into our Ant-Man discussion, we also want to bring up Venom, much to our chagrin, will not be taking place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, there's a punch below the belt. <laughs> I'm bummed out. Yourself, gentlemen? Yeah, same. Uh, why not? He was there, essentially. Spider-Man 3. Well, Perfect I mean- intro. I'm just going to make a little segue into the Venom thing to talk about that first trailer, which I pr- you guys have probably already discussed, but I just want to make one comment. That line, unleash your inner anti-hero, they couldn't have done Venom, villain. They had to Viagra. Do Viagra. No. They had to do the lamest line I think I've ever done from an otherwise very good trailer. But and it was pretty good. For it not being part of the MCU, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. I think, I don't think, what is his name, the guy playing Venom again? Um, Tom Hardy. Tom, I don't think Tom Hardy, like, I don't think bringing Bane as into that universe, like, against Peter Parker would would have been, like, I think there's just too much of an age gap there. I think Tom Holland needs his own Venom, and I think it's going to need to be someone younger, probably an unheard of actor, maybe someone a little bit bigger than Tom Hardy, and that's what we need to do. He's a big guy. Tom Hardy's only five foot nine. For you, come on! I was giving you the Bane <laughs> references with the Bane and the <laughs> you know, and the crabs. Oh, I missed it. It's been, it's been a long and time. It's interesting that we're getting a person from DC jumping over. I don't believe we discussed it in the other episode, and if we have discussed it, I'll let this part out. But also, we're going to be getting a Morbius movie starring Jared Leto, and. That probably won't be connected over either. 
It does sound better than him as a Joker. Most things sound better than he was as the Joker, to be completely honest. Well, he is technically supposed to be doing a Joker movie. There are two Joker movies in the works, one with Joaquin Phoenix or River Phoenix or something Phoenix. <laughs> I don't think River Phoenix isn't in this movie. Oh, probably not. They're probably going to have to dig him up. Oh, yeah. Because he did. Oh, yeah. forgot about that. That was dark. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. With Joaquin Phoenix or, you know, someone else and... It's it's very bizarre, but hey, look, Jared Leto, Morbius, it works. See, I kind of liked Jared Leto in Blade Runner 2049 to an extent. Oh, he was great in that. That was certainly a interesting movie, but that's a, that's for our Blade Runner podcast, but, which doesn't exist. That is true. Eh. Subscribe today. We don't even, eh. And pray. It was okay. But, and that's a big but. Yeah, well, speak for yourself. The the hey, question the question of Venom not in the MCU I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it some more it can can work because as of Spider-Man three no Venom I, I think but there we go again developing Venom on his own path not connected to Spider-Man much to your chagrin Peter very much so how I, can you it's how dumb. can you have a Venom movie without Spider-Man it's dumb well he was a he was a uh, foundation a stepping stone. A, you know, jumping off point because establishing Venom as an anti-hero maybe has to take its own. And you got to unleash it by the way. way. That's right, and d- develop into its own, coming into its own character, so that it doesn't, you know, clash, conflict with anything in in Spider-Man's world. So, so Venom can maybe be marketable. So what you I know, want to know is not confuse the, the the viewing audience maybe as to well, is Venom good is he not good is it is it is he here is he not well, here it's complicated. I, I, I'm gonna say I think this was a little greedy on Sony's part because the contract that Disney has with Sony is that they basically oversee Spider-Man and all the Spider-Man properties, but it didn't limit them to do films off of the villains. And I think this is a little bit unfair because there could be a Venom in the MCU and there's they probably won't do that now because of this Venom I have a cutting idea Let's it's a it. knife it's a box cutter what we are going to be getting exacto is a movie where Spider-Man will show up let's say this is the dream scenario you know who shows up at the end of this movie Toby not Toby Although, yeah because they were building towards that Sinister Six movie and I have a feeling that this is their way of trying to continue their old one of their old universes, and what we are going to see is Spider Verse. Huh. Spider Verse, if you're familiar of it, is a storyline in which Spider Men from multiple universes, Spider Ham, Punk Rock, Spider Man, Spider Gwen, Peter Porker, exactly, Ooh. all these characters show up and interact with each other. And there's actually one scene in Spider Verse where one Spider Man talks to the other and says. Man, that one dude kind of looked like Tobey Maguire. Yeah, that one other guy looked like Andrew Garfield. Whoa. So, yeah. They exist in the comics. So you think Andrew Garfield's going to be in Venom? I think if they bring a Spider-Man in, it's going to be something like that. Like, I think they're going to tie that in, and then that's how maybe they could go weasel their way in. And there's your what if. Well, how many movies is Sony, or how long of a time period is Sony locked into this deal with Spider-Man? I have no idea. I, I think this is their kind of insurance policy if things don't go well. But I think I would bet a lot more money. And by a lot more money, I'd probably bet half the blood in my body uh, <laughs> that, you know, 
Marvel, this film will not work as well as the Spider-Man films have been working for them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of a financial thing because they're probably looking at Spider-Man and I don't think Spider-Man Homecoming made that much compared to the other Spider-Man movies, correct? It didn't make as much, I believe, but it was still a critical success. The thing is, they get nothing from movies like Infinity Wars or Civil War. So maybe the financials, it does bother them that there's a movie that came out that just did $2 billion with their main character where he goes poof and they didn't get one cent of that. We need to look up Jesus. Street value of the blood of Charles Perello. I cut it in half. About tree fitting. Wow, how fitting. Indeed. My kidneys are on auction as well. Also, in addition to that Venom movie, the big you know reveal with that, they also revealed that they're going to be releasing new images of Venom. And Entertainment Weekly released an image of Venom. And to be completely honest, while I'm bummed out that this is not going to be connected to the overall MCU, it is really cool that they actually took a Venom, which I liked the Venom in Spider-Man 3, the way he looked. He looked like a comic character. This looks like a Todd McFarlane drawing come to life. Rougher, maybe? Br- brutally? Uh, uh, more comparison. savage, perhaps? If that makes any sense. Maybe he's just cr- more crudely uh, drawn or animated. Because I do notice some differences. Maybe he's more buffed up in the whole shoulder he's been working span out. and all that stuff. Well, chest that was area. my one complaint with Spider-Man 3. He looks great, but he's a little bit... A little, little, little thin. But Okay. Like, like slim fast Venom I honestly only got caught up in Spider-Man 3 with respect to Venom in, in the tendrils and in his face that would really hooked me the most not to look at the whole overall shape form you know but it does look good I mean he's a little bit buffer a little bit stronger I wonder what kind yeah. of powers he's going to have here personally I wish he was a little bit taller I wish he was a baller there we go wow got a lot of Venom wish there going on I, I, I like how the character looks, and I feel this is the most accurate way they've gotten one of the characters. You know, well, I mean, what what were they going to do differently exactly? Like blue. Gonna, I've always wanted to see a blue Venom before. Blue. You know, maybe that, that you know, in 10 years, that's probably going to be one of their comic lines. We're going to have blue Venom, red Venom, <laughs> yellow <laughs> Venom. Carnage. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. So now, gentlemen, let's get into the main topic matter at hand. It's this little one. 2018's. Ant-Man and the Wasp, the 20th entry in the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wait, wait, I thought we were going to be reviewing Ocean's 8 tonight. Uh, Sorry, we... Uh, wait, wrong podcast. That's the other manner, the other studio. Wait, yeah. wrong podcast? Ah, sorry. Well, we, we're actually going to be talking about Uncle Drew. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, I've actually seen it and I enjoyed it. Oh, okay, well, um, all right. That That's a new one. How, how did it make you feel? Shaquille O'Neal was pretty great. Oh, good, good. He's, he's a big guy. For you. But we could be shrunken down. Like Ant-Man. Miniaturized. Wait, so wait, we, we're not talking about Uncle Drew? I thought we were talking about Ocean's 8. Size may vary. Eddie, you lied to us. You're, you're, you told me Uncle Drew, you told him yes, Ocean's just like, 8? just like your mileage. How else can I get you in here? Okay. But no. Ant-Man and the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Long time have I not heard that. That's a good one. But, gentlemen... This was a movie where I went in partially with lowered expectations on my first viewing out of three that I've seen so far. I left excited. I think that says how you thought of the movie. 
low expectations? No, 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 no. Seen it three times. I think I think that's where you can cut off and say, well, that was my review, people. I liked it a lot. Well, gotta go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with this review, yeah, I the first time I saw it, I didn't expect it to be as good as I that it would be. And it's it's an example of one of the rare Marvel movies where the sequel actually is just as good, if not better, but in my case right now, just as good as the first. So the trailer did not let you down. Trailer, it was a fun trailer. Mm-hmm. But again, I went in just thinking to myself, you know what, maybe it'll be okay. But I always do that with these movies. And then I leave, wow, this movie was fantastic, guys. There is no way you did that with Infinity War. What do you mean? You did not walk into Infinity War saying, hey, this is just going to be okay. And I left going, it was pretty good. I'm one of those. I like the movie. I when I gave I, I, my... I feel like you left Infinity Wars with like a nosebleed, like seeing it again. A little, yeah. But my my thing with Infinity War, just going in, like I I loved Eddie's reaction when I go, I'm giving it a four and a half out of five, and he's like, Wait, you didn't give it a five? I'm like, ah, ah. We don't know the whole story yet. Realistically, there was no Ant Man, but there is here. There is. And so we should talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, the movie we're here for. Well, from a week or so ago, uh, Entertainment Weekly, I had mentioned, but we didn't talk about it on a podcast, was that the Wasp was going to be introduced in Captain America Civil War. But it was decided that there wouldn't be enough screen time for her character. And so to, as they say, let her spread her wings in a larger format, it came about to uh, to be here. It's better to honestly have the character in this movie. Yeah. It's better to establish her this way. Yep, yep. And the first build female superhero in the MCU out of F-Bomb 20 films is the quote from there. And so, um, yeah, and she takes off and kicks butt like you knew she could from the original, the first Ant-Man movie. I remember seeing the first Ant-Man movie with Eddie. Correct. Then I also saw the second Ant-Man movie with Eddie. Two for two. But... The funniest thing is, I remember leaving the theater, and the first thing Eddie says was, you know, instead of calling the sequel Ant-Man 2, they should call it Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I'm like, wow, Eddie Did I say that? You did? Actually, no, I don't think you said the. I think you said they should call it Ant-Man and Wasp. So he got most of it. Five seconds later, Eddie got hit in the head with a bag of uh, quarters and then by a Marvel representative. <laughs> and Eddie never remembered that moment ever again. Yep, no, that, that part where they made you sign a contract insisted that you didn't uh, write it. Just out of there. Totally gone. Well, so, I thought it was great. It was. It was fun. It was entertaining. It had to incorporate things that you saw from the first Ant-Man movie, and it did, as, and it perpetuated some things throughout. We can, we'll break that down. And, of course, some other things that were unique, I think, to it. And one or two things maybe you weren't expecting. My oh no moment at the end. Well, I have some nitpicks, but I think I'll save those a little bit for later. There, there's, there's, I think, three real complaints about this movie I have. But overall, I'd give this a solid B for the films. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I'd put it like, I liked it more than Thor Ragnarok. See, he's putting this into a letter categorization now, Ooh. which is good because bee, ant, wasp, it's all... Stop that. Spray it's bumps. an insect kingdom. You We're going to get to that kingdom with the black and white movie that was on at the uh, towards the end, the drive-in movie. You know, Boy, I bet you got excited when you saw that you part. You know that. No, now you said to I was myself, there. I'm I relevant. was there. He, he did get quite excited. He got as excited as I did when I saw Morrissey mentioned. 
Well, okay, so let's talk about the Morrissey scene. So when all of a sudden in the movie, Scott gets a phone call, and he ends up hearing... And when that happens, I was the only one in my theater who burst out laughing. Because it continues the trend of Ant-Man featuring 1980s emo-ish kind of music, I well, guess you could say. Well, I, I'm going to just take a wild guess that I'm the biggest Smiths fan here. Sorry, yes, Peter. but I'm I, second. I, I've, inter- I've, interviewed, I've interviewed Morrissey. I've... Uh, like, Hold on, let me pick up that name you just dropped. I I, I got Dust to yeah. Well, I got to touch him once at a concert. I got to touch his hand. Or TMI. Going I was on. I was told to watch it afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, watch or wash? Wa- wash. I was. Uh, <laughs> Why I, not both? I, I was told I was told very clearly that um, disinfect. But um, Morrissey, they make some really great jokes that I think are amazing that a Marvel movie made. Like you know, why do Mexicans like Morrissey? I'm like, I'm scared. There's a did, did a Marvel movie really make such an obscure joke like this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm happy. Well, when I heard the music, I, like I said, I was the only one in my theater that laughed. And every viewing I've done, I was the only one that laughed. But when a full-blown Morrissey scene happened, I was dying in the theater. I'm just like, this really just happened. This, honestly, I'm here. I'm witnessing this moment. I still don't believe it. I got to see Morrissey with 3D glasses. How many people can say that? Exactly. Not I. To people who I think are watching this podcast, I'd be willing to get or listen. Or listen. A lot of people I don't think really know who Morrissey is. Like definitely some younger people don't. And you know, I would be really shocked if Morrissey even like he found out he's he's like he got a text message he's like, hey, you're in a you're in a Marvel movie. He's like, oh okay. It was like there wasn't any meat in it, right? <laughs> Oh, made his murder. The big vegetarian that he is. Yeah, you know what? Marcy kind of skipped around my musical upbringing as well. Just naming, uh, you know, in passing and so on. If you had a college, on the college radio station, you had a show, you might include that in your playlist. But How soon is uh, now? The Smiths. Yeah, exactly. The anthem of the 80s. Yep, exactly. And during my third viewing of this, I was like another Smith song, asleep, because I was partially dozing off. I think I'm narcoleptic, guys. Okay. Well, we got that figured out. This was a movie where jokes had a strong hit ratio, much like the first one. Yes. And the biggest example of jokes hitting the most for me was with Randall Park's character of Jimmy Woo. That was a character that when he showed up on the screen, I'm like, okay, whatever. He, he's going to be, he's gonna be, I guess, the straight man to all this. And then every single line that came out of his mouth was gold, such as him running in a frantic huff and going... What the dickens? Just this G-rated character in a world like that. Well, first off, I'm, I was shocked he wasn't played by Dr. Ken from the... Can... It, just because, hey, why not? He's popular. But the other thing was, when it came to that character, there were actually two real winners. Him, and then there was the cowboy guy, uh, who was a villain. I thought those were two great characters who... Walter Goggins of Sonny Birch? There we go. Uh, I thought he they were two characters that I don't think we're ever really going to get to see again. We might. We, we'll probably get to see uh, Jimmy Woo for a third, like, Ant-Man film. But, you know, they're never going to be big characters, but they were really funny. And this just goes to the point, Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Ant-Man franchise, I think, and you guys can disagree, has the best supporting cast of any Marvel movie. Yeah, absolutely. The supporting characters were the strongest of any I've seen as well. Yeah, I mean, screw that Paul Rudd guy. We just need the supporting cast. 
this is a movie where I've heard people make the statement of the guys from XCON, they should get their own movie or at least a Netflix series. I take it. I would co-sign that. I would like to see that. I think XCON security consultants. They had such a strong dynamic between themselves, right down to the character of Kurt with Baba Yaga. Just and I'm just a fan. I think everything was firing all cylinders. And again, I keep going back to you know the character of Wu. Wu was also great with him explaining the Sokovia Accords to a child and how you listen to it, it, it all makes sense. But if you're an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, huh? You're great with kids. Thanks. I'm a youth pastor, too. Yeah. <laughs> Just that line of how it's delivered, it's so great. And he says it with that smirk. And I really hope he gets good at magic tricks. I, <laughs> my favorite line in the whole movie, the one I quoted the most, was, how'd you do it, Scott? What? magic trick well that's actually something which i kind of wish at the end of the film like if there was this big bad fight scene which I, there wasn't really like a big anti like end of film fight scene i guess him An and anti scene oh, there you go but if they could have closed it with him winning the fight with ghost by doing a card trick i thought that could have been pretty funny oh so missed opportunity, but hey, I guess they didn't think about that in the writing process. Maybe, I don't know. I was a little thrown off by the introduction of a character called Ghost, because I think there's two other versions in the comic book universe. Wait, Ghost is not in the comics? No, Ghost is in... Ghost is, is. Ghost is. Ghost originated as an enemy of Iron Man, and, you know, she Ghost was not a female character in yeah. the comics. It was, a, it was a man, exactly. And the character was actually co-created by David Michelini and Bob Layton. Well, that says something when you get, like, thrown on the bus for a whiplash. So, that's... Uh, <laughs> but you know what? She lived. So, she had a better uh, survival rate than the Iron Man movies. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they actually took the character and made her into a good person at the end. Because you don't... Re like, this was a movie for me where everything I thought was going to happen did a complete 180. I thought her character would die. I thought her character would go the standard way of all the other villains in these movies, and she'd be a one-and-done character. We now have that open-endedness. Actually, she would be great in a Black Widow movie. So if that's the case, yeah. That would be... They already established her with that. They, yeah. Yeah, they could do that. I didn't even think of that. No, we talk, we talk crossovers with Black Widow. Maybe Black Widow doesn't need to have like a Hulk go against her, but maybe we could take like some minor... We could put Do uh, Jimmy Woo. I want to see that badly. No, no. now they're going to hear this, and then I'm going to get clunk with a sack of nickels, and there we go. <laughs> Look, and a, and a, and a maybe dimes. Because Marvel's got that money from Infinity War. They can, they can spring up dimes. Yeah. Just saying. They, they can do that. I thought it was cool that they kept this character they kept the character alive and we have an open-endedness to this in the sense that maybe we could get a ghost movie who knows if she didn't go movie. poof well I, I don't know I think a little more development for sure but oh. I have to tell you on the opposite side of things Entertainment Weekly reviewed this character as saying that this is the blandest villain since that time Thor punched elves really that's what they say it's unbelievable jerks and rated it as C plus. Dicks. Dicks. Sporting goods. Yeah. There you go. Get your jock strap today. 
we can't help but mention Lawrence Fishburne's character of Bill Foster Goliath, who would go on to have sizes of what? 21 feet. Against Scott Lang's 65. 65. I mean, it's a size contest, sure, but... Truth hurts. Truth does hurt. And so does Truth Serum. How about Luis and his rant when he's on Truth Serum? And how about incorporating his and the director's imposing his words into other people's mouths? And back and forth they go, and a brief pause, and then a second round of that. So what they did from the first Ant-Man movie in two different scenarios throughout the course of the film, they kind of jammed together. And I thought it worked with respect to all the people that had a Luis line in there. But back we were to Bill Foster mentioning the quantum engagement. That's just a phrase that jumped out at me. And I said, I have to write this down. What is the quantum engagement? And how much does it cost? And how much does it cost me to get in? Well, what I found interesting about this was it's once again, a character by Tony Isabella, who is getting into the forefront of pop culture. Tony Isabella is responsible for the character of black lightning from DC and he's responsible for the character development of Bill Foster becoming Black Goliath, or in this movie, Goliath. Yep. And it's it's kind of a cool time to be Tony, because he's seeing his characters up on the big screen, up on the small screen, and being pop culture juggernauts. Ooh, there's a cross again. So, Tony's having a really good time right now. Yeah. And I've actually been seeing him at different conventions over the past few months, and... To hear that he's had this level of success, that's rad. That's absolutely awesome for him. Yeah, so I'm just trying to actually think of where else to talk about the film. And what really kind of hits me is... So I think now nitpicks can we discuss? Because it was not a perfect movie, but it was a very good one. And the nitpicks are things where they're less of insults towards the film, and they're more of things that could have been done more. I think of what they could have done more of... And number one, this is something I pointed out earlier. We did not get one fight scene with them shrunken down. I would say it was mainly minorly incorporated in the small to big, small to big, small to big, those kind of scenes. Like, I think that's how they incorporated it. But we didn't get any Thomas the Track tank engine. We didn't get, like, anything like that where... And I understand there was no villain to get them shrunken down with, but we could have done something where, hey, he has to fight like a rat or, I don't know, something of that nature. I would have liked that. Well, maybe in the course of traveling down into the quantum realm, they had to fight off bacteria. Tardigrads. Microcosm things. But the next thing was, this this is like my other real nitpick to the film, the second one. Um, You know, his ex-wife and her husband are really great characters. I I thought they could have been in it more. I actually really like both of those characters. Instead, he hugs the guy, hugs the person every time. I'm like, okay, that's a weird relationship. Hey, they're buddies. They're buddies now. It works. And the third nitpick I'll have is the ending, which I think we could save for later. Yeah, we'll get to that shortly. There were a couple other things I wanted to bring out, and that was in having Scott Lang get the World's Best Grandma Award. And he really was. From his daughter. And also with his character, how Janet Van Dyne, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who I didn't know the extent of which we'd get Michelle Pfeiffer screen time-wise, but more than more than I thought, and to a, to a positive, I thought, result, Janet coming through Scott and behaving cross-gender, sort of, but as if it was Janet that was actually there physically and talking about the algorithm and then that whole thing being figured out. So I think him uh, changing character, demeanor, everything was really well done. And how can we omit the Stanley cameo? 
Man, what a cameo that was. That was one of my personal favorites. I always say that with a Stan cameo, but this <laughs> yes, is... you do, actually. I do, but... but... But it was done right, and again... It was and funny. It, it was great. It was, you know, after the car shrinks that he's about to get into, he says something to the effect of, well, it was the 60s, and now I'm paying for it. Yeah. I had a lot of fun in the 60s. That's... True believers, just so much... So many drugs. Uh, well, I took the brown acid. You know, my, when I was like looking at the Stanley cameo, I can't just like look at it. I heard the thing in the '60s, and I'm like, you know, he still to this day, I think in the '60s, like he was not that young. So that just just shows he has like a big legacy. Yeah, he was like a 50, 40, 50 year old man back then. I think, I think so. I mean, he's. I mean, Stanley is what two hundred three. I was 95, Jeez. I think. I was concerned with this Stanley cameo and how he would look physically, you know, the age catching up to him and so on. Really not bad. And I'm in the movie, he can still drive, apparently, so. Well, for me, the cameo from Infinity War, I thought it was a sign of, oh, no, he now has to just sit for all of his cameos because he doesn't feel so well, you know? Mm-hmm. Mr. Stark, I don't know. Seeing that... I was like, you know, whatever, but seeing him up and about doing stuff for this cameo, I like that. I think that, just jumping back to Charles's point about not having a miniature fight, well, you know, I think the diversity of going small, large, back and forth, fighting in the kitchen, you know, scampering the waspas across the, the throne knife, and even with ghosts shrinking and enlarging again, that covered, I think, that. Because you had the miniaturized fight scene in the previous, so how many things do you want to bring over from the first one. So I think it, it was balanced well. The thing that I think maybe transferred uh, into the... balance? Into the... As all <laughs> things should That transferred, I think, well into the mid credit scene was seeing that Janet had some kind of healing powers from being 30 or so years in the quantum realm and I guess absorbing through, what, osmosis... Jones? Some of... Did I say Joan, Janet Jones? No. Osmosis okay. Jones. You got the reference. Osmosis I, got, I, I got Ozzy and Drift. Jeez, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, having absorbed something from the quantum realm where, where she was given this ability to, to heal, and that was to, I think, help what ghost at the uh, towards the end there. Yeah. Coming through her. I actually thought of, and it was mentioned previously, Days of Future Past, how, how Kitty had Meow. the ability to do some kind of although that was with her other phasing ability where the power was coming through her fingers and it was, you know, glowing and, and that kind of stuff. Something that made a lot of sense, you know, being able to I phase think, through yeah. walls. You get to go back in time 50 years. Phase through walls. Listen, bub. Oh, wow. Improvising. But no, having uh, the, the healing powers, I guess, is part of the impetus or the incentive for Scott to go into the quantum realm and to, I don't know, get some into a, a cylindrical tube as he attempts to and succeeds in getting, but we'll get to that momentarily. But then also towards the end, and I have to do this because this is my part, and I think I may have even mentioned it on the first time around with Ant-Man, that I remember a movie with ants, but they were deadly. They were menacing. It was black and white. It was the 50s. It was because of radioactivity that they got so gosh darn large. Wait, that's why it was black and white? That's why it was black and white? Because it was 1954 and there were no color TVs at that point. You don't know. They had color television. I wasn't Color movies. Oh, okay. Well, you know, anyway. The Wizard of Oz, the movie that Charles just saw for the first time the other day. (laughs) Oh, that is exactly right. Correct. (laughs) This is my upbringing and when I was younger, of course. By the way, how many kids do you think 
grew up thinking that the past was black and white and some I know someone <laughs> my best friend used to think that the world was in black and white hey so was the the earlier before we knew him as Spider-Man Tobey Maguire movie Pleasant was, was it Pleasant Man. Pleasantville wow yeah which I only saw very little parts of but yeah my best friend for years used to think the world was black and white Josh when you finally listen to this podcast how you doing? And play Three Dog Night, live, Black laugh, and White. Live, Laugh, Love, Josh Rosen. Or, or, or Michael Jackson. And, and I don't think he was like in a minority there. I think there were a lot of kids that would like talk to parents. Like, Do you remember when the world was black and white? When they invented color? <laughs> but but in the cl- close to the end of the film, when everything is, is good, and Scott and his, I guess, what, ex-wife and daughter are at the drive-in, and there's a movie that's playing in black and white... On their laptop. On their laptop, rather. And if you don't recognize the sci-fi-ish effect, it's the noise that these creatures make when they're approaching, signaling to each other, speaking to each other. They're giant ants, and the movie is called Them. And this was mentioned on several podcasts that we just somehow referenced in, and now it becomes full circle. Who'd have known? Yeah, that I would be a prophet. I laughed when I saw that movie play. Like I just see black and white and ants, and I'm like, "Oh, I know someone who's going to get a kick out of this scene." He was right all along. I didn't believe him. Peter said, "Yeah, it's so weird. It's like I'm trying to think of like another example of something that could be like that." Well, no, most people won't get won't get this, won't realize that, right? Uh, but which is fine. But it's just a little nugget so to speak, in there. Maybe it's a little sugar cube that the ants move. Should have went with sugar cube first. That's, that's, that's that was pretty damn fine. good. That's, that's okay. Nuggets are nice. Pine bark nuggets. <sighs> it's a candy also from Hershey's. It's a great little candy bar, yes. drop-in <laughs> reference and uh, just, just kind of a fun thing that you pick up on. An Easter egg. That's what we call them now in the movies, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm looking for pastels, flowery patterns, and rabbits. I don't see any of it, but it's an Easter egg. Okay, fine. And bunny turds. And, well, maybe I see more of those in a destroyed collector's uh, lab from when the uh, Purple Stone blows up from Guardians or whatever. Rabbit turds? It could be. I don't know. So now we fast forward to the mid credit scene, and Scott goes subatomic. And we're not sure if he can return. Now, let me tell you guys first. All right. When I saw it for my third showing, this was a showing where everyone's already, like, I'm used to seeing these movies already. I'm, like, thinking, oh, everyone's already seen this movie. And then I forget, like... It's a week or two after the movie's been released, and people still haven't seen it yet, maybe. All of a sudden, when they turn to Ash, I hear this in the theater. Oh, my God. Whoa. Just that reaction. I Their reaction gave me goosebumps. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that again because yeah. it's the power of this storytelling. There the were a few overall, people in our theater like that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The overall arching of this universe, and it makes you remember oh, yeah, this is the same world. And, yeah, they keep bringing up Civil War, but, oh, yes, Infinity War happened. Whoa. It's it's cool. It's very cool. I actually was naive about it, but this is my oh-no moment when, when I realized what had happened. You forgot to bring the Junior Mints? But back up and the snow caps. <laughs> because and I just don't, caps, I just he gets a don't like, that. Just don't like Raisinets. But, but dark chocolate raisinets, those are pretty damn good. It's just the raisins. I, I like okay, raisins. Fine. Grapes are grapes. When that scene first happened, and I saw all the particles floating pieces, 
my first thought was, they've gone subatomic. No, no. But in a previous scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp, didn't a swarm of ants form an arrow in the sky or direction? And, and yeah, you know, they were they, they the crazy they, taxi GPS. They really formed. Cool. They formed. So I thought this was that was happening again. After nope, not realizing, you know, okay, Scott, we're going to bring you back up in five, four, three. Okay, guys, it's not funny now, right? Isn't that what you said, uh, Henry? Uh, Hank, uh, this is not supposed to. Okay, so, you know, cut to all those pieces floating in the air, the equipment that were that were they were on the roof, meaning the wasp, Janet Van Dyne, and and Hank Pym. And a suspended micro um, CB walkie-talkie, and then I said, "Oh no!" to yeah. myself. So I didn't cheat. I did not look at any spoilers before this movie, but I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I was like, I was like, when I saw Infinity Wars, I was like, you know, this 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 is going to be the end credit scene for uh, Ant Man, and so I'm just now expecting I don't think Ant-Man's going to have any impact on the Infinity War story at all and he's just going to be sitting there like at the we'll on have the, the sidelines the end credits to Infinity War Part 2 will be him sitting there it's like is anyone going to remember about me it's like I was I was here for the whole thing but no that's that, that's not actually going to happen they I will, actually released a piece of merchandising artwork and it's all of the characters for the movie of in, Avengers 4 and we've shared it on our Facebook page facebook.com slash the Marvelists. And it features Captain America, the Hulk in a purple shirt for some reason. Because the pants weren't available? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a Great. weird look. Does he have pants? Is it like Please a, say he what, has what pants. type of shirt is it? I, it's it like lo- a button down dress stre- shirt. Stretch no, elastic. It, it, yeah, it looks like maybe like an Under Armour kind it, of thing. It, it gives. Okay. But a lot. There's also Hawkeye. Come on, work with me here. Black. <laughs> Stop that! I'm telling Black, you, Black Widow. You wouldn't Iron like me Man, when I'm hungry. Rocket Raccoon. I want to say uh, Nebula's in there. I almost said Namora, and I'm like, that's one. That's not a character Whoops. that's supposed to be in this. No. But and it's See, also yeah. not a combination of Gamora and Nebula. Although, man, that'd be interesting. But <laughs> what if green and bald, with metal all over? But we also feature Ant Man in that photo, and I want to know. How will Ant-Man be incorporated in Avengers 4? So, Age of Awesome. Age of Awesome. Is that what it's called? No. He just called it that now. Okay. He does not have that much foresight. Not so, like me and a them reference. So my friend Doug McCausen, uh, he told me what he thinks is going to happen. And he went on like a long rant, so I'm going to be honest if Doug's listening to this. Hi, Doug. I, I, I was there for 70% of your rant on this, but not the full, uh, full 100. And, and while I really... Um, I actually liked his idea. He thinks Ant-Man will be a central character to Infinity War Part 2. He will go back in time. He will see a young Captain America during World War II. He'll see these other characters, and he will unite them. And I don't know if that's going to happen. What do you guys think? That's a lot of Eddie, you predicting. Yeah, because I'll go along with part of that. We'll see what actually comes to pass. But, geez. He's, he's going to have a role. No, yes, yes, but I just didn't know to what extent, and I'm looking forward to that for for sure. I have a feeling one of the stones will be involved with how we get Ant-Man full size and out of that world. Just saying. How about the stone we didn't see much action in until it became called Adam? Oh, and he actually... He will not be involved, by the way. 
Oh. Adam, they've already said, the Russo brothers have said that Adam will not be involved. Oh. So probably Guardians Volume 3. That's what I'm thinking there. Right. Okay. All well, right. What I think might happen is that, and this was Doug's other prediction, he said Michelle Pfeiffer is going to have a role in this film and she will play a big part in kind of guiding Ant-Man throughout this world. So Scott Lang could get a very big thing, which is kind of cool because Paul Rudd is an actor who I remember from Friends. I remember from like a couple comedy movies. Shows up as Ant-Man. I think he shocks everyone. And it's, uh, that that's just how it goes. That, uh, that I can see her. easily with Michelle Pfeiffer helping and guiding Paul Rudd with his current dilemma where we last leave off. And and just a real quick thing with, with the final credit scene, just the ant playing the drums. It was just a cute thing to throw in, I think, at the end. It was a cute much. scene, but also, man, is that a creepy scene, right? The seconds right before it. Right before you start hearing the drumming, you just hear the, you know, emergency broadcast signal, you know, blaring. You hear dead silence. You hear sirens. It's just... It's yeah, ominous. if you think about it, that is exactly, that's true. That is true. And I had written down just at that point as well that the twice at least playing of Come On, Get Happy. Yeah. Sean, it's, telling, Sean Cassidy. it's getting people ready. Hey, you're not going to be for very long, guys. It's not what, you, what you're hearing it is. And, and the other thing, too, to make you kind of question it is, like so many of the Marvel Cinematic movies, this one's saying Ant-Man and the Wasp will return. Question and mark? then the question mark shows up. People in my audience were like, no way. Yeah. It was funny watching that reaction from the people. I loved it. I didn't notice the question mark. It was there. You didn't right away, but then it popped up at the end. Ooh. Well, I guess they might return. And I forget the punctuation if there was a period at the end of that line first. How are and the then it turned into a question mark. What? Did the duck will return? Did it say that? Because I know they did. No. In, in Guardians One, it said that. Well, no. It ju- I think all it just said was Howard the Duck was created by Steve Gerber, and yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was it. There was I no Howard I the Duck will return. I the Guardians will return. No, no. In Guardians of the Galaxy, after the Howard the Duck cameo, it's like next thing it said. No, it's Howard not. the Duck will return. I'm oh, positive of that. Bro, you're talking to a guy with a Star Lord tattoo. I've we're, seen this we, movie many we, times. <laughs> can we see this? We're gonna have a throwdown. You've never seen my Star Lord. And it won't be. I pointed that earlier. I was like. Oh my God! Yeah, there's a reason for it, oh, but now, I, I hate to ask, but what did that cost at the tattoo shop? Uh, one twenty. One, not a bad price. Not, Rent not, discount. Not not a bad price for uh, permanently altering your skin. Yeah. <laughs> but pigmentation. One of the things about this was, just like I said, the overall darkness and semi contrast. And I remember when the movie was getting ready to come out. What? <laughs> What are you tuning a TV here? Semi contrast, <sighs> tint, <laughs> hue, saturation. I'm going now into Photoshop. Go ahead. Let me know how it turns out. How it develops, even. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> but what I liked was that sense of there was a meme on Marvel Shield posting, which we get a lot of our content from. I admit that from our Facebook page. But multi sourcing. My favorite meme on there was it was a Simpsons reference of. Are you ready to laugh with Homer at Mr. Burns's birthday party? And then you just hear a woman go, quiet, you awful man. This is what this movie is. Everyone watched everyone die. Everyone watched all this sad and horrible things happen. And Ant-Man comes along, guys. Hey, guys, ready to laugh? (laughs) It works. 
It does, but it's also like it's such a sad movie that pre- you know preceded that. And now look, hey guys, want to see a banana peel scene? Here we go. Whoop. Just like a Mrs. Doubtfire, you scene. wicked, wicked no, monkey. But I'm, I'm going with like g- general comedy. Well, this film had like a giant salt shaker, so a banana slip scene. Hey, no, a that. giant Hello Kitty Pez, which I might have bought after the movie, as well as a copy of The Fault in Our Stars. All the props. Ah, no comment. Hey, a book's a book. Well, Reading is fundamental. But a well, riff. I, mean, I also, I don't think we're talking enough about Scott Lang and what just happened to him where he had to be indoors for two years. Uh, which which is actually, it's, it's kind of sad, like, a little bit. Like, he breaks up with, like, people he cares about for two years. He But he strengthens the bond with his daughter and even his ex-wife and ex-wife's husband. Yeah, no, they love him now. Everyone loves him now. And uh, by the way, I think, think there needs to be a comment. Whoever the actress is playing the daughter, she is an enormous talent. I really think she was great in this movie. Well, the thing about her is going to be, you know what they're setting this up for. No, I do not. <laughs> young Avengers. Oh, really? You think of Young Avengers? Young, huh. Basically, with the character of Cassie Lang, she is going to be a central part of the Young Avengers with her character of stature. So, down the line, they're grooming this character. That's why you're hearing, like, I, I can be a hero, too. I can be this. Yeah, she can be, just not yet. So who do you uh, who who's in the Young Avengers? If I remember correctly, and fans email us themarvelous at gmail dot com. If I am correct or incorrect, or tweet us at the Marvels, whichever one you want to do, give us a strongly worded tweet. But I, if I remember correctly, Kate Bishop Hawkeye is in there. Okay. So I'm not well versed in the Young Avengers as much as I wish I was. Yeah. It, it, it's very interesting because. It looks like they are building up to eventually have Miles Morales Spider-Man. That's shown. Tom Holland's very young, though. It, it feels like the Marvel and Disney, they're not looking to ever really reboot this universe. They might look at the year 2040 and say, this same universe is going to continue. We're going to be doing this 20 years from now. Isn't it weird? It's a good weird. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a good weird. I mean, it's not like DC, which... Uh, Reboots at the drop of a hat because they need a new crisis. Well, to be fair... To be fair, I'm, I'm a bigger DC fan than a Marvel fan. They've which, had an infinite one. Well, I'm a, I'm a bigger DC fan than a Marvel fan, which this crowd is not a popular thing to say. But I, I do look at it and I'm like, you know, maybe they maybe like they should just reboot and like fire Ben Affleck, which I think they already have. But like I've said in the past, Ben Affleck is Schrodinger's Batman. Ouch. He either has left. Or is staying on as Batman. He's he's sitting there. He's like, well, you know, I don't even know where I am. I feel bad for him uh, because I like his Batman, but if, I think his Bruce Wayne is it. If they do, if they do replace him as Batman, uh, maybe they bring Charlie Cox in. Boy, that would be a big middle finger to Marvel. Oh boy, well, yeah. You know uh, he. What about Charlie Day? Now well, I want to see that version. Well, Charlie Cox is a great daredevil. He could be a great Bruce Wayne. He'll have to beef up probably 30 pounds, but he could do it. I just want to know what Batman's spaghetti policy is if he gets played by Charlie Day. Okay, I don't know that one. Oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Never saw it. <sighs> see, I I, I've never watched that. The Office or House and Recreations either, so. Parks and Rec, you mean? <laughs> That's you just proof. made your own TV show. <laughs> That's proof I didn't know. I've never watched it. I know there's one guy with a mustache. Ron Swanson. 
America. America. Bacon. All I could think of was a spaghetti incident, the Guns N' Roses album, and then you bring in Swanson. So now we got TV dinners going. Cheese, Eddie. Would you like banquet? Oh, you like cheese on that too? Good. It's very I said G's, not cheese. Oh, that's what it sounded like. G E E Z E. Now, there's no E at the end. Which Marvel? Has it which Marvel? Savings. Which Marvel character is most likely to eat a Swanson's TV dinner? <laughs> well, Peter Parker in the state of affairs that he lives in. That's yeah. quite possible. Scott Lang. Scott Lang. No, yeah. I think it's him. He is. He's. Yeah. He's the most likely man for a Swanson's TV dinner. I mean, sing, like you know, it, it's very bizarre because Scott Lang's the type of guy which could be that single dude who's like, like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm a nice like uh, an aged single man like with like a daughter and like that. But no, he's Ant Man. Maybe Hawkeye. Hawkeye Ooh. likes TV dinners surprisingly. <laughs> but they're I good. So now, overall, gentlemen, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. Which it may, might also be a hungry man dinner. Sure but, is. It's good stuff. <laughs> Stop it. I don't know about the Salisbury steak, though. I'll go first, I guess. I, after seeing this movie, like I said, three times, and possibly a fourth with <sighs> friend of the show, Josh Rosengrant. Friend of the show. This was one of the strongest Marvel sequels, but not my all-time favorite. And if I had to give it a... Well, let me give my uh, complaints and grievances... I would say I don't really have many complaints for this movie, if any, to be completely honest. Now, I feel it was a fun movie, and by the third time watching it, it flowed a lot better, and it didn't really have that many dull moments. It was a strong, cohesive script. The characters were entertaining, and like you had brought up, the supporting characters were great. They lived up to the reputation that the first movie had because the supporting characters were great in the first one as well. Strongest supporting cast in Marvel. Yeah. And you don't see that in a lot of these movies. Like You just see, oh, the, the cast is okay. Like, for example, let's go with Captain America the Winter Soldier. Great movie. Supporting cast? Eh. Cast of the movie is pretty much just Captain America. I forgot America. who they were. <laughs> it's Captain America, Bucky, Nick Fury. The Girl from Revenge. That's about it. Yeah. There's not many characters. Now, I would say, Eddie, do you want to be the next one to give your thoughts? Because Eddie always gives a very well-calculated thought. Uh, you know what? I always wing it. On a, re on a rewatch, when we were doing the ones leading up to Infinity War, I had more under my belt. But with this, I just, like I may have said at the beginning or before we started recording, I need to watch this again to get more. Because I thought it was really, really good. So... I, did we even no? Peter didn't I, I even saw, get his, his, his I saw ranking. the film with Eddie. He was ecstatic, ecstatic when he left. Yeah, like he, he was really excited. For my review, I'm gonna just say I've given two of my problems with it. No fight scene when they're miniaturized. There wasn't enough of the some of the supporting characters that are really great. But this is my third and final complaint. And this is not a complaint about the movie. This is a complaint about the direction. Uh, I wanted Scott Lang to go poof. I think it would have been very cool to see. You know, maybe the Wasp takes the lead role. Maybe Michael Douglas takes the lead role. I guess that's a direction change that this film didn't get the choice on. But overall, I'm going to say this is a B on the Marvel scale. I liked it more than any of the Thor movies. Not perfect, but definitely not falling behind. So I'll bring back Kick It Old School. Did you give your thoughts? A little bit, too. I was going to ask Charles, though, what other character development could we? would you have liked to have seen more of or from whom? 
You know, I would have just liked... It's not even so much character development. I would have liked to see his ex-wife and her husband a little bit more. There's no reason they couldn't have been interacting in that final scene. Like, when they're at the shore in some role, helping in some way. There's no reason they had to be sitting there watching TV. Even the ex-con agency, the security group, even they could have, I think, gotten a few more minutes. And... Um, you know, overall, though, it was pretty It was pretty perfect. I think the scene where he gets enlarged is great. I mean, also, like, the humor just really lands. There's, like, all these quick jokes that feel very natural. And, like, the reason I'm not a huge fan of Thor Ragnarok is I've made the joke. I think it's, like, cereal and Red Bull, cereal and Coca-Cola. It's too much comedy with too big of a plot. This is a plot where, you know, people could die if things don't work out, but it still is a really great plot. I'm very excited to see what this does for the MCU because I feel like this whole quantum realm thing is is going to be a big factor going forward. You know, I think too when you when you mention those those negatives or you know little shortcomings about the others not having enough screen time, but I don't know how much more they they needed. But you also did have something different with with Luis and mostly with him though. He got to be small while he was with the Wasp in that van. The One Punch Man himself, Luis. Yeah. Yeah. They continued, by the way, the trend of him continuing punching someone, knocking them out with one punch. Mm -hmm. I liked that. Yeah, so there was something different to be said there, too. I think this comes to be a near-perfect score for me. Like, out of five, I'm going to go four four and three-quarters. I would give it, personally, a four out of five. 3.8. Yeah. So I'm going to bring this back, my ranking of the overall MCU. It's all you. Go away. This is too long for me. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so out of the 20 movies, we're going to start with number 16 since there are oh my ties. my God, he is doing 20. I thought he was just... Never mind. I am. I am. I'll number be sleeping. S- number 16, Thor The Dark World. Number 15, Iron Man 3. Number 14, Incredible Hulk. Number 13, Iron Man 2. Number 12, Captain America. Number 11, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number 10, Avengers, or Avengers Assemble, if you are in the UK. Number 9, Thor. Number 8, Iron Man. Number 7, Avengers Infinity War, which some people are shocked that I have ranked so low, but here we are. Number 6, Captain America. Number 5 is a three-way tie between Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange, and today's film, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Number 4, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Number three is a three-way tie, apropos, three the hard way. Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, and Black Panther. Number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. And number one with a elemental gun through Ego's face, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume two. (sighs) It had to be done. It had to be. He spent a lot of time on that list. I tried. Daredevil season one, still the best thing in this universe. Maybe Jessica Jones season one as well. But it it is all connected. Not Defender season one. That no one's no one stuck out well there. Eddie. Well, sure, fine. I mean, oh, now you're doing your ranking. Well, you you called on me, so oh, I'm just God. seeing how this. I'm just going to leave it to this extent. I'm sorry, listeners, especially for the aforementioned Melnick rating system. Hello. Yes, we know. Hello. But my four and a half, my four and three quarter rating makes Ant Man and the Wasp. Tied with Spider-Man: Homecoming, Captain America: The First Avenger, and Thor, which means that at the top of the list is Avengers: Infinity War, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America: Winter Soldier. I meant to say, 
I think I said it first Avenger was the 4.75 and Iron Man all at the top spot. I'm leaving it at that. You're so kind. <laughs> You're not you know, mean enough to these just, things sometimes. I told you, 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 know, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. You know, I'm going to say this. I, I've known Eddie a very long time, almost my entire life. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's a great thing. And Eddie uh, and his wife, Nancy, they always would uh, deck out their houses on Halloween, uh, really go over the top. Um, And uh, Eddie keeps a score count every year of how many people show up and monitors that like it's the stock market. True. Eddie monitors oh his movies like he does that. So True that. I, I'm I'm very curious like all the things Eddie has brought a clipboard out for life on, but like <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, concerts concerts at Bethel Woods. Concerts at Bethel Set Woods. List it's like yes. it's like it's like I mean I mean you, you brought up One Punch Man. You know how One Punch Man is very obsessed with the coupons? Yeah. Eddie has that organization type skill. It's like well I love that so much. It's it's a good thing to have. I mean it's it's always any any person with a clipboard, it's like great. I mean, some, I, I've never. Official, e- damn it. Well, I mean, there was a there was a Family Guy episode where they go back in time, mess up the future, and it's like they're doing a thing. It's like and they run into the whole thing. It's like and for some reason we have a chalkboard in our living room. For some reason I have a clipboard in my hand. <laughs> like, See, but now like you've seen before, we had this random miniaturized them poster. It now comes full circle. And it I does. Bring, I bring it up again for the third time. And there, and there it goes. And um, the the only the only thing about Ant Man is like here's another thing. It's it's very bizarre like looking at him because this is a character who is not a Halloween costume. There is way too much going on here for them to sell that. They do sell them though. <sighs> it's it's a hard one to do. I think there's some easier. I've seen I've seen a couple at least in shows and conventions. There's some Ant Man uh, crawling around. Oh. <sighs> it's not ants marching. It's not Dave Matthews, but still. Stop it. We're gonna get some Adam walk. and the Ants? Ant music? Good song. Tell you what. Well, we're going to get some Wasp. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants? Yeah, I was yeah, waiting for that. There's a Doors song, Wasp, right? Texas Radio and the Big Beat. Good song. The L.A. Woman album. So, because there, prob- well, there will definitely be a third Ant-Man movie. Eddie, you got the sequel right named the last time. What do you think they're going to call the third one? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. No, it's not going to be called Wow. Why would it be called Wow? Yeah. That's World of Warcraft. That that could be Wasp over Wakanda. Wakiki. Wakanda. There you go. Forever. So now because I suggested it it won't happen. You know what actress Evangeline Lilly had said it would be great if they could make a female superhero movie of female Avengers movie that was in her part of the interview with Entertainment Weekly. Uh, who knows? The Wasp, Black Widow, probably a couple others. Ghost. We got Wasp, we got Widow. There's there's a couple of W's already. All right. Yeah. We're on Ant- our way. Well, Ant-Man, Wasp, home, and the Ghost. Home sweet home. No extra Swing charge Swing and a miss. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that, that was you, you felt that one dying as you were doing Oh, it. Lord, did I. It was on <laughs> Mr. Stark. That joke didn't feel so good. <laughs> not. Yeah. That's the show, kids. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure having you on, as always, both Third of you. Um, Eddie, I'm kicking you out of your own house. You wish. <laughs> so before we go, gentlemen... Let's see how we can get a hold of us on social media. Glad you asked. I know. Go on Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there and join the 4,000 plus, plus fans. 
I'm waiting for the echo. Fans. Stop that. They generate a breeze. They do. They really Ooh. do. Call me the breeze. Isn't that an almond thing? Too. It's music, music. Somehow it's like the roles have reversed today, by the way. Like, I've said to him, stop that. Stop that. <laughs> Don't I usually tell that to you? Yeah. I do, yeah. yeah. Today truly is opposite Delicious. day. Mm-hmm. What? Opposite day. That's right. Well, we said black or white. We, you know, we... Okay, Michael Jackson. Three dog night. Mm. Yeah. Now we're trying. I mean, it's before Michael Jackson. And also, the world was in black and white for a while too. It's tr- that's exactly right. If you didn't have what college, Josh. <laughs> anyway, also give us a follow collectively. Godspeed, Josh, when you watch this with with Peter or again. listen. No, the movie. Oh yeah, give us a follow at the marvelous. Give us a follow individually at Peter Melnick, at E Wilson nine five nine, and our unofficial third member. <laughs> oh no. He's gone. Somebody's got to clean up this mess. He's he's jello dust. <laughs> what flavor? Give him a follow at Charles Peralo, but I am dead. At, at Instagram. And Twitter. this Ouija board is working great. Yeah, I got to tell you. There will be no reply. <laughs> Send all you want. It's just not coming back. Anyway. Balance. All stop stealing my lines. <laughs> Give <laughs> Guys, anyway, also, give us a follow on Instagram at The Marvelous. Would you guys, would you Adam's family guys stop it? They're all so kind of spooky. Adam's family. I got something missing there, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, you're gone, so of course there's something missing. So also, give us a follow on Instagram, at The Marvelous, myself, at Peter Melnick, yourself. Eddie Wilson, 959. Oh, Eddie, it's Eddie something. Instagram, it's Eddie 9193. There we go, and all those other numbers. Too many handles. Charles. (laughs) (laughs) At? (laughs) Perfect. Charles problem. How many Fs are in that, by the way? (laughs) Three. You can also follow him at 9,000 other Instagrams that he's using at the moment. Stop, stop scrolling media. There we go. There. Stop scrolls media? What? Uh, stop scrolling media. We got to stop scrolling. Oh, oh no, no. I, that's not an actual oh. account. That, that's I was, like, was going to give you a follow. Oh, no. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this has gone off the rails like Thomas the Tank Engine in the first one. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about The Punisher from 2004. For Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm gone, but I'm also Charles Prolo. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!